You're listening to the Tour Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockholz and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 38 of the Tool Station Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to welcome onto the line, it is the editor of the Tool Station Western League bulletin, Mr Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Lots of, lots of action to look back on, so I'm doing well. How about yourself? Well, I have a rather nasty bout of man flu, um, but I have been testing regularly, so I know I haven't got the virus. And, and this is a welcome reminder that there was actually diseases and sniffles before um, COVID reared its ugly head. So I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my best to just sort of battle through this. But I I've um, my bout of man flu actually coincided with the end of the bank holiday weekend. I'm very pleased to say because I I had an absolutely bumper crop. Uh, of football, I actually managed to take in three games, two of which oh. were on one day. So Mrs. Knockholds well and truly let me <laughs> off the leash. That you're that you're her favourite at the moment. Yeah, well, it, we 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 made up for it on Saturday and Sunday, and then That's I disappeared it. on um <laughs> on on Monday afternoon um yeah, again. Played it well, but yeah, no, I got away with it, and um and I got a very nice selection of Easter eggs. Did you also get a very nice selection of Ooh. Easter eggs, Tom? Uh, I had I had some mini eggs. I must admit, I did. Yeah, I delved into in, into some mini eggs. Yeah, it was, uh, it was it was good. Yeah, had a nice weekend. I went to watch some cricket on Friday, so I managed to well. Um, was was a little bit out of the loop with how the games are going on Friday afternoon. I was unfortunately torn from watching Somerset try and bat, so that didn't go particularly well. But yeah, um, good to <laughs> back with a bang on, on Monday, catching catching up with all the the games and whatnot, and yeah, putting together uh, a well. a a bumper bulletin. It was uh, yeah, two two sets of uh, results and roundups and whatnot to to catch up on. So it was uh, yeah, plenty going on. It is. A, it certainly is a bumpy uh, bulletin, isn't it? I mean, we have abs- We've got absolutely uh, loads of stuff to get through. Um, just before we get into um, the results, we're going to start, of course, on Good Friday. Um, just to let you know who we've got on the podcast this week, we will be hearing from the Bridgewater United manager, um, Dave Pierce, and we'll also be hearing from John Bowers, the uh, the chairman of uh, Sherbourne Town. And I'm sure it won't have escaped anybody's attention that Sherbourne um, have now been confirmed as champions of the first division. And, and of course, that means that they are uh, in line for promotion as a result of that. So um, we have a chat with uh, with John about that on what's been a memorable season for the Zebras. But we're going to kick off on um, Friday, the 15th of April um, at Bitten, a seven-goal thriller. Uh, against near rivals um, um, Cadbury Heath, and uh, it was the Heath that came away with the spoils. Tom, hmm. it really, yeah, it was a dramatic late winner as well in this one. So it was all going on, uh, but yeah, it was uh, Matt Groves firing bit in the head after after 15 minutes. Uh, but then the, the visitors turned the game in their favour. It was uh, George Boone and Ali Boyer uh, putting them two one up. Uh, Dean Griffiths, he's obviously had a, a stellar season in front of goal for the for the for the home side, and he managed to, to level things towards the the end of the, the first half. Uh, but Boone then got on the score sheet once more, uh, making it 3-2. So, uh, yeah, the Heath in a, in a good position at that point. Uh, but it was bitten, obviously. They've had a yeah tough second half of the season. I think that'd be, that'd be fair to say. But it looked like they were a little rare light for them uh, when uh, Ben Withy managed to equalise. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, as I say, the Heath had the last laugh and it was uh, substitute Mo Jang. I think he's had a little bit of a... Uh, an, an impact recently came off the bench again and uh, yeah scored the scored the winner pretty late on so uh, a four three victory for Cadbury Heath away at Bitten more Mojo than Mojang mm-hmm. probably was you, you could say uh, right then um, moving on then to Bridgewater United this was um, their last league game of the season and it was against Somerset rivals Shepton Mallet we would expect a big crowd for this one Tom and of course Bridgewater didn't disappoint and 
the home fans went home happy. Yeah, they will have. And obviously, this was the last uh, outing for them all season. Uh, just the way the fixtures have turned out. That's, uh, that was Bridgewater's final game. And uh, yeah, ending in a, ending with a bit of a bang. Uh, 376 there. And uh, yeah, it was a 1-0 win for the hosts. So that was uh, good stuff. Uh, but it was it was, a, it was a late one, another late one. Uh, fourth minute of stoppage time. Uh, so hopefully nobody left early. Uh, Nick Ridrow uh, scoring uh, after uh, Jack Taylor had seen his uh, goal band effort blocked. So uh, yeah, Woodrow on, on, on hand to, to, to fire home the rebound and uh, yeah, gave Bridgewater um, a, a big win over Shepton Mallet. Well, Bridgewater do still have interest in the Les Phillips Cup, but after such a close encounter, I couldn't help but want to get in touch um, for one last time in the league season, at least, and with the Bridgewater United manager, Dave Pearce. And we started off by talking about just how close that Shepton Mallet game was. Yeah, it was a, a very competitive game. Um, yeah, we had a good game against Shepton in uh, the Les Phillips a couple of weeks before. Um, always been close games this season, really. But yeah, it was nice to nice to finish off with a win. Um, you know, we've had quite a good run um, when you look at the results we've had. You know, in the last sort of 14 games, we've had some really good results. So um, it was nice to finish off at home with three points and, um, you know, sort of try and uh, finish in that top four as close as we can. You score too many more goals in injury time and they'll start calling it Piercy time, won't they? <laughs> yeah, hopefully um, hopefully next season that will stop and we'll start putting teams away a bit earlier than that because it, it does, um, yeah, it's, it's been, we've had some exciting times this season, you know, blagging, uh, not blagging, but getting late goals and late victories has been exciting for the neutral, but for myself it's been a bit, um, if we can sort of tail that off a little bit, that'd be nice. Yeah, well, I mean, it'd be interesting to put a heart monitor on you because, to be fair, I mean, Shepton are no pushovers, are they? I mean, one of the hallmarks of their season has been a good, solid defence. So, um, I mean, they kept you out for a very, very long time, didn't they? Yeah, as I said, we've had um, when we played um, at their place at Christmas, you know, we we went down the slope uh, there and, you know, we had numerous chances, but, they, you know, they kept us out and even in the Les Phillips game, you know, it was, it was tight, you know, it could have gone either way, really. Um and then obviously the home game again, you know, it, it was sort of battle of defences really in all the games. But luckily we pulled out, you know, a win on penalties and a, and a one nil win at, at home. Um, but you know, as I said, they're always a solid team. You know, Craig Loxton's got a good side there, and mm. um, you know they've had, they've been on a great run. I think they've won six, seven in a row. So you know, to win that and as I said, get three points on the last day was you know, brilliant for us. Okay, well, let's look back on your performance over the course of this season. And if you were writing Bridgewater's end-of-term report, what would the headmaster's comments say? <laughs> um, it will discipline, I'd probably say. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a little... I said, I think, on the last interview, I said, you know, we finish in the top six in that league um, this year. First full season after two years of COVID with all the new teams from Cornwall. Um, I think you've done well. And, you know, we've done that now. You know, we're finished, probably going to finish fourth or fifth. Um, but again, you know, we've probably let ourselves down way too many times. Um, I'd probably say, you know, probably five or six games we should have been out of sight in games. You know, we haven't taken our chances and we get uh, we get sucker punched. Um, but ill discipline has been the biggest problem. You know, we've, I think we've got 80-odd bookings or something. It's just ridiculous. Um, had so many suspensions. Um, which have killed us in the long run. Um, like every like every team, we've had injuries. I think you know one game we had eight play eight first team players out 
Uh, but that's like every team has said. Um, so, but overall, you know, first full season after COVID, you know, the new takeover we've had, you know, we're still in the Les Phillips. We've got to the fourth round of the Vars, got to play away at Yeovil in the Somerset Cup, top four. You know, I think it's quite a good season. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there eight players out from a first, you know, first team game. I mean, in the years that you've been involved in, in football, uh, have you ever known a challenge like that? No, I haven't. And, you know, I, I speak to a lot of managers and I, I, I speak to Rob Trey, the talk manager. I speak to him a lot, you know, and, and we, he he had the same problem. Like every, I suppose every manager's had a, you know, I think two years of not finishing your season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's probably been the, a big thing. I think we've probably, we've come back into it. It's a bit of a learning curve, I suppose. We've come back into it. Um, we're still training twice a week. I think we maybe should have tailed that off a little bit. But again, another thing for us was, you know, the the league, the league put the Les Phillips to the 31st of May last year, the final, and then the league starting again end of July. Yeah, we had like what three and a half weeks off between that and pre-season, so we didn't really have a time off. Uh, I think that paid dividends with it as well. Um, but as I said, it's probably more the fact that no one's played. You know, you've come away from two years of not finishing a season to all of a sudden, right, we're straight in, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and that's where I think the injuries have come from. If we look at the league table then, because I know you're an ambitious side, you're an ambitious manager, what do you need to do to close the gap on the top three? Um, you know, I, I think it's been pretty evident for with us um, is... We've got Jack Taylor who scores goals for fun. And really, we haven't got that. We haven't had that second striker to go and score between 15 and 20. Um, if you look at Tavistock, for example, they've got Liam Prynne, who's you know a couple goals ahead of Jack. And then they've got Josh Grant, who's on 20, 22, something like that. You know, we haven't got that. Our second top scorer is on seven. You know, that's the difference. Um, you, know, you know, Jack's been phenomenal. Over the last five years since he signed him, um, but you know, people, other players need to step up. I've been saying it for two or three years. Um, you know, we had Steve Murray for a while, um, a few years ago, and he started doing it. And then obviously COVID hit. Um, but that's the, that's the case next year. It's going to be probably going all out for getting that second striker, maybe a third striker, who's going to who's going to bang a load of goals in to help Jack. And I think the rest of the squad is pretty. But yeah, that's the main aim. I think. Because we, when we haven't put teams away, you're looking at where the goal's going to come from. If Jack doesn't, you know, that's been the problem. I think one of the aspects of the season has been we've been very geographical. And we know how strong the sides are that have come in, certainly from Cornwall. And we know historically how strong the sides have been from Devon. And, of course, that's what we're seeing this season. But, you know, we've got the likes of yourself currently in fourth. We've got Shepton Mallet, who've done very well. Clevedon, who've done very well, you know, they're in seventh. So do you think next season, perhaps, it won't be as one-sided as it has been this season in terms of those teams um, fighting at the top of the table? Do you think that there's a, a case to be made for the more traditional regions of the Tool Station Western League to be putting a challenge in on the Premier Division title? I think next year, it'll again, it'll because I think next year you're going to get, you, you more than likely, this is no disrespect to Mausel, but they probably just missed out on it now. Um, you look at, you're going to have Falmouth probably come up, you're going to have Torpoint, you're going to have Salt Ash again, you're going to have 
Barnstable come down. Um, you're going to have Millbrooks doing it. So all these teams from you get more and more travelling down in Cornwall. So player recruitment for play for teams like ourselves, for Sheps and Mallet, Cleveland is going to get more and more difficult because I can see more and more teams from Bristol trying to get in the Hellenic League. You know, so players don't want to travel down to Cornwall two hours, three hours, whatever it is. So I think player recruitment is going to be really, really hard. And I think um, teams from Cornwall will be stronger because the pool of players to play in that area are down there. Um, but we'll see what the league and the FA come up with this year um, with the geographics. If we have a quick look at the promotion race then, I mean, in a way, Dave, I wish we were having this conversation tomorrow. I don't normally make our interviews time-specific, <laughs> but of course, given the magnitude of the game between Exmouth and Tavistock on Wednesday evening, I think the listeners need to know that we're speaking before then. You you couldn't put a cigarette paper between those two sides, particularly with the fact that Tavistock have to travel to Exmouth. I mean, you've talked about Mausel earlier in this interview. I mean, how do you see it playing out? Um, I, 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 oh God, I'm, I don't know. I think it's going to go down to the wire. You know, I, I can see, I think there'll be a winner tomorrow. I, I don't think it'll be a draw. I think Exmouth at home are a completely different side to what they are away. Um, but Tavistock are just, you know, they're, they're the team who don't, you know, they can get a draw. You know, Exmouth have to win. I think Exmouth have to go out and, and win the game. Um, but I think it will come down to the last game of the season. I think it, I think it will. You know, I think it's three goals in it as well um, in the goal difference. Um, but I wouldn't like to put I wouldn't put a bet on either on anything happening because, as I said, this season has been so unpredictable uh, with with all the results across the season. Um, anything could happen. Anything. But I know it'd be a, a fantastic game, and you know, I wish both managers all the best. Because your season is far from over, isn't it? I mean, there is this small matter of a Les Phillips Cup semi-final against Houston. Now, one of the challenges, of course, at this time of the season is that most of the players are on the beach, either figuratively or literally. So you've got to keep your players focused, not just on the semi-final, but also, of course, the prospect of, of, of playing in the Les Phillips Cup um, final at, uh, at Wells. I mean, how do you do that? Well, I haven't really. I think the players, especially as I said, the last. I think since we went down Mausel, we played 14 games. We've been lost twice, and in 11 league games, we've only conceded four four goals. Um, we've, you know, we've as I said, we've got to the semi final. I felt that the last few weeks, few games, there has been a real focus with the squad because I think they realised that they we've let ourselves down in the league because when, until before we lost to Saltash, um, we were in the hunt for second. And I think they realised that all those games, four or five games, maybe more, where the mentality was wrong, we could have been up there. So I think the Les Phillips gives us massive focus. And I think last year, losing in the final again, I think the players who were there last year and playing that final, they want to they wanna make up for that. Uh, they want to give something back to the supporters. So, you know, we, we're, we're lucky we've got an extra week off. Um so I think that we needed it because we've been playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Um, but it's trying to win a trophy in the day, so I don't really need to motivate our, my players. They're motivated themselves. So we know it's going to be tough against Helston, but we've taken four points off in, off in the league. Um, they got to come to our place, you know. So we're, we're very confident in getting the win. And it'll be either Canesham or Cabri Heath in the. Uh... Well, they're playing in the other semi-final, so it'll be one of those in the final. Have you got a preference? 
Oh no, you know, it's the final, you know, I think we you know, last season we beat Tavistock in the semi final. Went we're thinking, Oh, we got Bradford, we'll batter Bradford, um, if we're on it and we went on it and they and they beat us. So, you know, I'd love to see, if I'm honest, I'd love to get to the final and play against Johnny Allen because me and him get on really, really well. We've got a good relationship with Kingsham. But no, whoever we get in the final, you know, we got to focus on ourselves just to try and get the win. But as I said, first we've got, we got to beat Helston and that's going to be a massive game. And my thanks to Dave for his time. Now, um, the next game is won't take us too long to, to cover, Tom, although it does feature two West Country heavyweights in the form of Buckland and Tavistock. 340 uh, were at this game, a massive crowd in the Premier Division, but on this day, nothing happened. Oh, yeah, in terms of in terms of goal-scoring action, but obviously, uh, yeah, we've got the, uh, the promotion chase, which we will, yeah, it's impossible to avoid at the moment, so we'll touch on it at least once or once or twice more during during the podcast, and obviously Tavistock uh, front front and centre in that, and they were, yeah, we did say on paper this was a, a pretty tough game. Obviously Buckland, uh, mid table side, but um, not many teams go to home as Heath, and uh, yeah, go home with a with a comfortable afternoon, and that was that was how it proved. Tavistock uh, drawing a blank, and uh, yeah, obviously their uh, the five point lead they carried into the Easter uh, Easter weekend uh, was was trimmed a little bit, and that was that was part of the uh, the reason why a goalless draw for them away at Buckland on Good Friday. Yeah, very important in the grand scheme of things in the Premier Division and also important um, off the field development for Buckland Athletic because they've appointed Daniel Hart as their head coach and um, we wish Daniel well and I'm sure we'll be catching up with him if if not this season now, then next season on the Tool Station Western League podcast. Uh, we wrap up our coverage from uh, Friday in the Premier Division at Mausel, where the uh, the visitors were near neighbours, Houston Athletic. We'd expect a big gate at this one, Tom, and that didn't disappoint, did it? 355 mm. saw this one, and it was a good performance by the home side. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously, at the time, they were, were still uh, capable of, uh, yeah, um, grabbing the title. Um, maybe things have changed since, and we will I'll touch on that in a sec. Uh, but yeah, 3-1 win for, for Mausel at home to Helston on, on Friday. Uh, fourth minute lead uh, from Callum McConey uh, put 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 Mausel on on top, uh, but then uh, yeah, uh, the hosts were pegged back just prior to half time by a Helston side who they actually drew nil nil with pretty recently. I think it was about three weeks ago. So um, these two sides know each other pretty well, I would say. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was Mausel who pushed on in the second half. A couple of goals in the final 15 minutes from Max Hill and Mark Goldsworth, leading them to, to what was a crucial victory at the time. So yeah, 3-1 win for Mausel over Hilston. Now we move on to the fixtures in the first division on Friday the 15th of April. And we kick off at Gillingham Town, where the visitors were Sherbourne Town. Now Sherbourne needed to win this game in order to secure promotion. And um, well, win it they did, Tom. <laughs> they did absolutely. I think we all probably knew where the the destination of the title was going in the first prior to this game. But uh, yeah, to confirm it, that was uh, three points were needed by Sherborne, and uh, yeah, that was exactly what they did. Uh, a big crowd, and I'm sure plenty of those were, were away fans who travelled down. Obviously, not not uh, not not a huge distance for them. Uh, pretty big, uh, big big local game for them, and uh, yeah, five nil win. And obviously, they well pretty much doing what they do best, isn't it? Scoring lots of goals. Uh, I think that was. Goals 121 uh, and, uh, well, 122 they were on after this game, I think it was. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty good start for them. Anthony Heron settling nerves after just six minutes. Uh, further goals from Henry Lawrence Napier and then Declan Cornish uh, put it, made it 3-0. And, yeah, from there it was pretty much 
pretty much game set and match. Uh, Cornish had another, and then Ashley Guppy completed uh, the the scoring in the in the closing minutes. And uh, yeah, Sherborne uh, confirmed as champions. Fantastic stuff. We've of course had John Bowers on the podcast already this season. We've also had Colin Goodland um, from Sherborne on talking about the history of the club that he's written. Well, he's going to have to add another chapter now um, because um, this uh, this season has been quite historic, along with that emphatic win away at, uh, at Gillingham. So I started my conversation with John by congratulating him on what the club has achieved this season. Ian, I couldn't put it into words how I feel. Um, uh, jubilant, uh, proud, uh, excited, uh, emotional, tearful, the whole, all the things come into play. Um, uh, and it's been a long season, although it doesn't seem many days ago that you and I were at Devizes. I think it was a, our first away game of the season, and we had a quick chat. And that, it has flashed by in some respects, and um, it's been a long season in other respects. Well, it's certainly been a long season for me. I'm, I'm not surprised it's flashed by for you, John. But... Um, I mean, I thought you'd win the game on, on Saturday. I know one of the hallmarks of this campaign that you've been on is you've never taken anything for granted and you've always taken each game at a time. But I did think, probably along with 99% of you know the other people who follow Western League football, you'd get the job done on Saturday. But I didn't think, if I'm honest with you, that you'd do it in such emphatic style. I mean, it must have been the perfect occasion for you because really, from the eighth minute onwards, you didn't really have to worry about anything, did you? No, um, you're exactly right. Calm my nerves, and, and I could see that the team, the team were a little bit nervous as well. And um, we scored eight minutes. I think we scored fairly rapidly. I think our second goal came, and you could see the players were relaxed from then on. And one about our business, which is playing football, scoring a lot of goals, which we have done this season. Um, and I think it was relief as well. Not that I ever doubted it. I don't believe in shouting my mouth off because it sometimes can get you in trouble. I never doubted that we were going to win Saturday. I couldn't see that we were going to be upset because I think, and it's going to sound slightly fat-headed, but our team's too good for that. They've shown during the whole season that they've taken everything that's come out. They've won, they've won some games in, in a wonderful outward playing football on the ground and uh, there's been two or three occasions where we've had to dig in it hadn't been so pretty but we seem to have certainly recently I think it's 20 on the bounce uh, wins and score goals and get the three points consecutively and I know those runs sometimes come to an end hopefully it'll come to an end at the end of the season for us um, one more game left you know uh, we can relax and play our game but it certainly has I've never doubted in the lads we've got they uh, never ceased to amaze me how calm they appear to be, but there was a touch of nerves about the game on actually Friday, Good Friday at, at Gillingham, um, which, as you said, early goal settles the nerves. Because, to be fair, the two games you'd had before then, the win at Odd Down and the win against um, Oldland Abertonians, both of those games had only been by the odd goal. And I guess one of the hallmarks of this season is that, you know, when other clubs have an off day and, um, you know, maybe... Uh, they they draw a game, or perhaps they you know they find a way to lose a game. You've been finding a way to win matches, and 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 as you mentioned, you, you you've been winning matches for a very very long time this season. Totally. Uh, and what I've found is, it's interesting how teams play us, how they want to play us. Some want to take us on and have a go and see if they can beat us. At literally playing football. There's the others that become 
slightly more physical and try and stop us playing football within the rules, of course, but stop us by going defensive or being that little bit more physical. And what was pointed out to me actually at yesterday's game that we're not an over-physical side, but if a side wants to become physical towards us, we've now got that inner depth that we can, we can give as good as we get. Uh, and it can be a physical league. Next season will be a physical league again, um, which is part of it. Uh, you know, I'm not complaining about that. That's all part of the game. But I feel that we're well-equipped to play the physical sides, whereas a few years back, I don't think we were. And, and I've, I've often said it, it shouldn't be a put against us, but I think sometimes we're too nice a team. Uh, and, and sometimes you've got to put the Mr. Nice away and you've got to be a little bit nastier. And again, not of course within the rules, but you know, intimidating, physical, streetwise, all those things have to come into place. And I think we're much better equipped at that level, as well as playing football, of course. Uh, one of our management team only said to me last week, this is a, a wonderful set of talented lads we've got here. And our next job is to keep them together and um, move on to the next part of our story. Because that game against... Um, Welton Rovers on um, Bank Holiday Monday. I mean, if ever there could, you could have been forgiven for having a blip. You know, perhaps a few sore heads, perhaps a few of your lads ate one too many Easter eggs. You know, <laughs> you would have thought it could have been against Welton Rovers because, of course, you've quite literally got over the finishing line. But Welton are still, you know, embroiled in a in a, in a Titanic race um, in the playoffs. You know, that that race to try and secure home supremacy uh, in the playoff semi final. But you still managed to find a way to beat them. And I, I guess as much as it's a great... This promotion is a, is a great um, accolade for your, for your club and for your players. But, of course, that result, perhaps, if more than any other, shows that actually your management team must be doing something right because they managed to get the boys up for that game after the hard work had been done. I can tell you that the nucleus of this team has been together for a few years. Um, any additional players that we brought in have been great additions to the squad. Uh, for the first time in the six years I've been chairman, we've got depth of squad. You know, when you've got someone coming off the bench, I'm sure we've all been there. When your team brings someone off the bench, you think, oh, no, not him. We haven't got that. Players coming through from the reserves, always done a job. I've not, one player has not come through. A couple of the reserve players have only played maybe two games when we've been short for whatever reason, and they've always done a job. Uh, the, the goalkeeper um, stepped in, can't remember numbers, but something like 18 games ago because the first team keeper broke his ribs. And he hasn't looked back. He's had a fantastic season. On a sour note, he broke his collarbone yesterday, unfortunately. Um, but his, his season's finished. But he, he, he'll be back. He's a young lad. Uh, so the, the point I'm making here, so it's not only about your first team. It's about your first team squad. It's about the reserve team squad. And when the players have to come to the first team, that they're capable and able to play at that level, which they are. The management team, we've got a great management team, a, you know, different type of people. The, the managers are one character. The assistant is a different character again. You need that. And I, and I said yesterday many times, to win things, to be successful, uh, and I've said to you before, that depends where you put success. Obviously, winning the league is successful. You need the right the right players around you that come together at the right time, with the right management team to come together at the right time, with the right volunteers and people behind the scenes at the club, backing the team on the pitch. And you also need a couple big bollocks of that stuff called good luck, because you need that thrown in the mix as well. And thank goodness, it's pretty much come together right the way down the line for us. I'm also very aware that sometimes it all goes against you down the line. Your key player gets a big-time injury, 
your management, one of them walks away for whatever reason, personal football. All these things can happen against and they can happen for. What I've experienced in six years, both sides of that coin, I did say uh, on a tweet yesterday, uh, after a lot of congratulatory messages, um, that it's a chairman's dream to win the league. Uh, and this chairman's dreams have come true. We should let you enjoy it, John. But, of course, the funny thing is, one of the best things about being able to talk to you now, um, given that you are the chairman, is what your feelings are about life next season. I mean, have you started to think about what life in the Western League Premier Division is going gonna, is gonna to look like? I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 there's going to be challenges there. Again, going back to when I saw you and after three or four games, we had a discussion about where are we going, how's the season going to go. I felt then, and I wasn't going to broadcast it, the manager sh- shut me down once because I'm getting excited after four or five games, but I could see what we had. Uh, as for next season, of course, behind the scenes, we've been thinking about it for a number of weeks, number of months possibly. Uh, we've got a great, mo- uh, great um, main sponsor uh, who stuck in some money over the last three or four years. Um, and I thanked him for that. Uh, and I, I, He's got an Italian restaurant out of Ilchester, and I see him regularly. Uh, and I asked the question, if we're promoted, is there any more money in the kitty? Uh, he didn't say no. He sort of said yes, but the, the point is I'm working towards more money. We've, we've visited other sponsors and said, look, we're on a promotion role here. If we go up, is there some more money in the kitty? And yes, we have found some more money because we're going to have to find that. Haven't had the meeting with the manager yet. In fact, I've only said on the weekend we should have a meeting to discuss what he, his needs are for next season and what the club can do and what the club can't do. I think yesterday uh, I was talking to um, John Poole. We must embrace going up. You know, we ain't going to whinge about travelling down in the Cornwall. We know all this is all on the cards before we enter the league, before the, it started, uh, and we'll, we'll embrace it. You know, the players I've spoken to are all from the same place I'm coming. Uh, we want to embrace next season uh, and whatever comes beyond that. Uh, and, and what, again, what be successful, not to be relegated, not to be embroiled in a relegation battle, maybe to have a bit of a cut run, hopefully be in the FA Cup next season again, uh, which we've missed in the Vows. So that's, no, we're not not worried about it. Excited, I am. Uh, and I'm sure everyone at the club is excited. A little bit of apprehension there about, you know, long trips, everyone keeps saying how far it is down the corner, but we know that before the before the season starts, we know where we've got to go, and we know when we've got to go there. Um, you know, we've, we've been talking to a local coach company, does a bit of co- few coaches for us during the season, um, talking about his luxury 16-seater for the team to travel. You know, all this is all, we're, we're getting all this into our plans for next season. Uh, of course, we've got, to, we've got to finance those plans. Uh, you know, the, the, the manager has come to me in the past and said, uh, is there any money in the kitty? No, there's not. If you need any more money, you've got to go and find it yourself, pal. No, that was the sort of attitude. Well, he, he's going to be calling on my door again in a minute and asking for some money, and I'm sure we're going to have to try and find some, but we're certainly not a wealthy club. I mean, the blueprint's there, though, isn't it? Because in recent seasons, we saw Westbury do incredibly well when they got promoted out of the first division and of course, they're now on the on the brink of of entering the Southern League, and yeah. Canesham as well. Canesham, a team that went up from the first division, that I think many people thought would would struggle, you know, have have impressed this season. So, you know, the, the pedigree of teams coming out of the first division into the into the Premier Division is is there, and and and, and in a way, it must be a very exciting time to be a Sherbourne fan. I, I I can't think we could want any more. You know, what what more would you want? A fantastic season played some tremendous football. 
I don't know the stats off the top of my head, in excess of 120 goals scored, uh, you know, goal difference around the top 80s. The season started, day one of the season, if I thought we were going to sit here today discussing those sort of stats, I would have been astounded myself. What I did believe, that we could always capable of being promoted and winning the league. I didn't believe it until quarter five on Good Friday when we had beaten Gillingham. For the fans, for the club, for everyone involved, I, you know, I, I, I keep on about tweets. I stuck a tweet out this morning and said, look, I'm going to be living on this for a while because I, I have never had it before. This is all new to me. Um, and it's been a long job with two COVID seasons. I actually believe he might have been here a couple of seasons ago if it wasn't for COVID. I think yeah. something like three or four games to go, Colin were top. I think we were second game in hand and we had to play them away. You know, I think we might have got this then. But I think we're better prepared now than we were uh, um, two seasons ago in that first COVID season. So, yeah, it's been a long time coming. But, yeah, why wouldn't you be excited if, you you know, any part of the Zebra family? i got enough excitement for everybody anyway. But, you know, this is a family thing to us. My, my son's involved. One of my sons is an ex-player. He's commercial manager. It's, it's a family thing. So if Sherborne's happy and my wife's happy, we're all happy. I couldn't be happier than I am today, that's for sure. Excellent stuff. Now, I saw pictures on social media. Um, you got your hands on the trophy uh, in, um, in that match against um, Welton Rovers. Um, for for fans wanting to come and celebrate with you with your your game against Bishop Sutton on Saturday, have you got anything planned for Saturday? Only that the game will lead into a carnival atmosphere after in the clubhouse and a long into the evening with music and ale available. Um, that's all I can say. You know, we're going to plan to celebrate again and continue to celebrate um, because it's been a long time coming. Uh, but other than that, anyone's welcome to come on, on, on Saturday's game, our final game, home game, uh, uh, and celebrate with us, please. We, 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 we need more people through the gate to help next season. That's another step. You know, We're trying to get more and more people interested. People have been coming to the club. Are, are part of my job, um, I don't think you've ever been at, I can't think of you, you've been to Rally Grove lately, but I always walk around the pitch. I talk to everybody. I encourage them to come again. If they've got any money in their pocket, I encourage them to to, to spend it in the bar. Um, if they're a business, I encourage them to come and sponsor us. They probably dread seeing me coming, thinking about it, when I put it like that. But, yeah, but So that's my job. Uh, and all I can say is, come Saturday, we're still celebrating. Everybody's welcome. Our, our journey's not yet. Um, you know, we, I think we've got some more to do and come this time next year. It'll be interesting to see what the conversation's like, won't it? And my thanks to John for his time. Uh, now, we're going to wrap up our coverage on um, Friday the 15th uh, at Welton Rovers. West Clues, for those who know, the home of the Green Army, the Theatre of Greens. And, um, you know, we've been talking about this fixture for many for many seasons on the podcast. And I, I bang on about the Coalfield Classico between Welton Rovers and Radstock Town, where it was an early kickoff, listeners. So um, I was able to get down um, to uh, to Welton Rovers for the one o'clock kickoff and still have time to get to Warminster to watch my boys lose three 0 But we're not going to be talking about that, although there was a healthy crowd. There has to it, we have to say at Warminster, but it wasn't as healthy as the one at Welton Rovers. We've talked about the big attendances in the Premier Division. You would expect 
um, Bridgewater United and Shepton Mallet um, to, to be a big attraction. You'd expect Mausel and Helston to be a big attraction. Well, on Friday the 15th of April, 407 watched the biggest game in the mm -hmm. tool station Western League between Welton Rovers and Radstock Town, and it was not a happy day for the Miners, Tom. No, it wasn't. Um, a 4-1 defeat for them in the end. Uh, Welton running out uh, big winners. And it was, uh, yeah, thanks to a pretty... A uh, pretty strong finish from the hosts. Uh, it was a big game, obviously, as we as we said, and it was Courtney Charles who put them in front. Uh, well, and that is after just eight minutes. Uh, but uh, the, yeah, to be fair to the miners, obviously not the not the result they wanted, but they did perform well after that. Um, hit back ten minutes after after the break through Morgan skipped level affairs, so it looked like they were in position to you know push for push for something. But yeah, Welton had other ideas clearly, uh, and uh, yeah, quick fire brace from Lewis Russell. Uh, and then another late goal from Lewis Hunt uh, wrapped up, and it was a pretty pretty comprehensive victory in the end. And uh, yeah, they uh, won't get the bragging rights for and win for them over Radstock. Yeah, they certainly do. I mean, that was a, it was an absolute classic roller coaster game. You're you're absolutely right that Radstock did find a way back in, and I of course wonder because Radstock loved nothing more than upsetting Welton on their home ground, but. Um, uh, on Good Friday, um, Welton just went through the gears and after Radstock equalised, um, they played some really, really impressive stuff. Some of the best football I've seen in the first division. I don't think the Radstock fans would have any argument in saying that the best team won on the on the day. I mean, Radstock have got to concentrate their minds on this um, this race for the playoffs, which uh, we'll be talking about later. But, um, you know, Welton did their own playoff hopes the world of good by um, securing those uh, those three points in front of that mammoth crowd. And it was a beautiful day in Midsummer Norton as well. So I had a thoroughly wonderful time catching up with so many wonderful people uh, that it's uh, lovely to sort of, you know, lovely to meet and um, renew old acquaintances in the uh, in the Western League. I don't get over to Midsummer Norton as much as I used to, but I thoroughly enjoyed my my visit um, to Welton Rovers on uh, on Good Friday. If you're thinking, Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Tool Station. With over 300 branches, there's always a Tool Station near you. Now we will fast forward to um, Easter Bank Holiday Monday, the 18th um, of April. And um, again, a, a crop of really top matches in the Premier Division. We're going to kick off at um, Exmouth Town against Millbrook because this was a real statement of intent um, from Exmouth, wasn't it, Tom? Hmm. Yeah, it was. The day's early kickoff. Uh, obviously, Tavistock had dropped, dropped some points on, on Good Friday, so Exmouth were... Yeah, able to to go level on points at the top, and uh, yeah, that was that was what they did at the time, and they did it in um, yeah startling fashion, a nine nil victory over Millbrook, who were yeah no pushovers, uh, maybe not finishing the season as they'd like, obviously, but uh, yeah, a nine nil win uh, for Exmouth. Um, yeah, I think everything pretty much went right for them, didn't it? Jordan Harris uh, putting them ahead pretty early, their top scorer uh, with a free kick. Uh, but from there, it was, yeah, absolutely a bit of a free-fall. Ben Steer and Ace High uh, both scoring twice. Uh, also, Levi Landrikum, who'd scored a hat-trick in there, win on Good Friday as well. So, uh, yeah, obviously, he's in good goal-scoring form at the right time of the season. Uh, but, yeah, the, the plaudits mainly going to Nathan Cooper, who grabbed a hat-trick. So, yeah, fantastic afternoon uh, for the 301 uh, who were at Exmouth. Uh, our next game 
uh, is at Helston Athletic, where the visitors were Wellington. Now, I must confess, going into the weekend's fixtures, I did have this one nailed on for a home win. And I think in doing that, I, I, I am doing Wellington a great disservice because, um, I mean, we've used the phrase with a few clubs this season, going under the radar. I mean, Wellington have been in the bottom half of the table uh, this season. But um, actually, in recent weeks, they've been going out, they've been going about their business remarkably efficiently remarkably well and that's exactly how this one turned out tom yeah absolutely and uh back to back back to back uh, away wins over over the easter period a five uh, sorry four nil win uh away at ilfacombe on on friday followed that with a three nil win at helston so yeah well one of the one of the better teams of well one of the the standout teams of the easter period easily uh two big away wins uh, and as you say a three nil win at helston probably not what many would have predicted going into the game but uh, that was how it that's how it played out. Doug Camillo, uh, Nathan Byrne and Mark Cornish all getting on the, the score sheet for the away side in that one. So, yeah, congrats to Wellington. I think that's, uh, yeah, worthy of a big mention. Absolutely right. Well done to Wellington. Uh, now, moving on to Mausel. Mausel, of course, in this titanic struggle at the top of the table. Nobody can afford to drop points. The visitors were Ashton and Backwell United. And I think, Tom, that Mausel will be pleased to see the back of Ashton and Backwell this season. <laughs> they probably will, yeah. And they were yeah, pretty fortunate to even bag a point. So, yeah, as we as we touched on a little while ago, Mausel uh, very much in the, in the title race coming into this one. And Ashton, yeah, concerns towards the bottom for them, potential... Yeah, stuff going on with uh, with relegation, but we're not 100% sure how that's playing out. But uh, yeah, important game for them nonetheless. And uh, yeah, they, they proved that with the way they played. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, well, pretty surprising result at Trungle Park. Uh, they were two goals up uh, after just half an hour. So uh, Ashton really yeah, putting, their, putting the best foot forward in this one. And it looked like they'd probably done enough to, to bag all three points. But unfortunately for them, uh, Mausel obviously battling for points themselves so they 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 maintain their uh yeah um effort throughout obviously they weren't going to just just bowl over and jack culver pulled one back five minutes from time uh, and with their next attack Mazel managed to, to grab a share of the spoils and it was jack simons uh breaking back well hearts in, in this one and uh yeah gaining a point for Mazel. uh but unfortunately as results played out elsewhere it probably means they're unable to to, to claim the title this season so the race for second place is on um the next match, Saltash United against Street. Now, it's we've just been talking about how well Ashton and Backwell have been doing. We've just been talking about, of course, how well, how strongly Wellington have finished um, the season. But um, Street have also got their eyes set on securing as many points as possible. And, um, uh, well, they I think they must have stunned a few at Saltash on, uh, on, on Bank Holiday Monday, Tom. I think they must have. And uh, amazingly, as, as well as Ashton played, they actually dropped down into... Uh, into 18th spot following uh, Street's victory. So a fantastic result for, for the Cobblers away, away at Saltash. Uh, a 3-2 win for them. Uh, Saltash are up in fifth. So this was, uh, yeah, <laughs> on paper, an incredibly difficult game for, for the away side. Uh, but having gone ahead after after just four minutes through Dan Peach, uh, it was then a, a second goal at the beginning of the second half from Alessandra Costanza. Uh, oh. Making it 2-0, your fave, one of your faves. <laughs> Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, it was never going to be easy for them. Uh, and uh, the Ashes did set up a thrilling finale when Tom Harris, uh, he trimmed the deficit 20 minutes from time. Uh, and then it looked like uh, Street's hopes had, had uh, yeah, gone the same way as Ashton's, really. Uh, a leveller from, from Saltash coming from Reese Thompson, uh, just as the game headed into into stoppage time, made it to all and looked like it would have always also, almost a mirror of that Mazel-Ashton game. Uh, but for, for Street, incredibly... Um, 
yeah, they managed to to to, to force one more attack and uh, yeah, managed to to gain the winner. It was Harry Foster. Yeah, he's been there for a couple of seasons. He's uh, a uh, pretty reliable goal scorer at this level, and uh, yeah, he found the back of the net and secured maximum points. So a, a very dramatic win for for Street away at Saltash. And finally, in the Premier Division on Monday, the 18th of April, Tavistock. Now, Tavistock proving that anything Exmouth can do to Millbrook, they can do to Bridport. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not too much of a surprise coming against Bridport. Obviously, they've had a yeah, an incredibly tough season, as we've, we've touched on a couple of times. And, uh, yeah, Tavistock mirroring Exmouth's earlier uh, travails, a 9-0 win for them as well. So, uh, yeah, as you say, um, anything uh, Exmouth can do, Tavistock could could, could answer with. And, uh, yeah, uh, four different goal scorers getting their name on the score sheet in the first half. That was Ed Harris and Tegan Rosenquist, uh, Josh Grant and Yeston Harris. Uh, and then after the break, it was uh, Warren Dorr, uh, a terrific second-half treble from him. Uh, and also Grant adding a couple more, so he also backed a hat trick. So a couple of uh, yeah, a couple of standout performers there for Tavistock in their big win over Bridport. Now we move on to the fixtures in the first division, and we're going to start with the game that I was at on uh, Bank Holiday Monday. That was Devizes Town against AEK Bocco, and I think we can safely say that everybody was going mm-hmm. loco, including AEK <laughs> Bocco. Boco. <laughs> I've managed to ruin that, but I'm going to keep it in. Keep it in there. We like it. It's the yes. It's the med. It's the cowpole talking, listeners. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of if if you wanted drama, we just touched on the the the, the Saltash Street game. I think in the first division, this was uh, this probably took the biscuit on on on, on Easter Monday. Uh, a four-all draw uh, for you to enjoy yourself there at, uh, at Nursey Park, uh, Nursey Road. Sorry, uh, and that was devises his yeah. Uh, a point for them, probably not, not doing them much of a favour, but yeah, drama, drama nonetheless. Um, Bevan Cross uh, helping the, the uh, home side in for a two-goal lead after Matt Russell had, uh, had scored earlier in the piece. Uh, but then Bocco managed to start their fight back uh, and got, got goal back. But then I think there was a, a bit of a major flashpoint where uh, cards were branded uh, yeah, by, by the referee at Will. And uh, I think it was three that were handed out at the same time. Three red cards, a couple for the hosts, one for Bocco. Obviously, putting the the, uh, the visitors a man up, and uh, yeah, they seem to make that count. Uh, but yeah, to be fair to Devices, they did manage to to twice go back in front. A um, couple of goals from Declan McStravick and Logan Cassidy, uh, twice putting the nine men ahead, as I said. But uh, yeah, Bocco managed to to respond on each occasion, and just as just as the drama um, was was seemingly over, uh, and. The eighth and final goal uh, coming uh, from a penalty during stoppage time. And obviously that was converted by Bocco to, to grab a share of the spoils. So, uh, yeah, if you can add anything, I don't know. I don't know no, well, how much I, of it you managed to take it. Yet, yet again, I've managed to cover myself in glory. I think regular listeners to the podcast will remember the famous occasion I went to the Devizes Oldland game and decided I was going to get myself some chips and miss the opening goal and, and was labouring under the apprehension that... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was either nil all or I know it was nil all. And I've, then I was told it was one nil. And then actually we were three nil down at half time. Anyway, um, on this occasion, I've taken my daughter to the game and I've decided that, um, it, you know, just before half time would be a really good time to get her a drink because I was in heady territory. I'm not used to being two nil up as a Devizes Town fan. And of course, I regularly go there with very low expectations because that means I'm never disappointed. Um, but uh, I re-emerge from the clubhouse and um, and basically it's just sort of pandemonium going on. I haven't got a clue what's happening. Mm. Um, so I'm very grateful um, to um, um, to a number of people at the game for sort of filling me in. And, of course, we've been able to sort of 
um, get some get some colour in the bulletin this week. But um, no, I, I must say I was incredibly impressed with Devise's performance. I I very rarely say this, and I I, I wouldn't want to upset anybody from AEK Bocco because um, I'm sure they're a wonderful club. But I I, I really did feel that Devise's deserved. Um, to win the game, I thought even with nine men, they look they look the better side. I mean, they're under the cosh. It would be fair to say, which you'd expect, you know, with a team with a numerical advantage. But some of the football I saw on Monday was some of the best I've seen this season, particularly you know from Devizens. And um, I actually went home disappointed, and I can't say that very often because, as I say, I do I do come with suitably low expectations to avoid that particular emotion. But I, I suffered it on um, on Monday. But I did have a you know I look back on an entertaining game of football. There you are. Um, right then, we will conclude our coverage on Monday the 18th of April with um, Wells City against Radstock Town. These two sides embroiled in a titanic battle for our last playoff berth. How did it go, Tom? It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was meaningful. Uh, six beat fifth, so obviously they've tridden the gap. Wells City, that is, beating Radstock by two goals to one, so not a good couple of days for for the miners and it was goals in the first half from Charlie Crook and Duncan McCabe uh, doing that uh, doing the business there for, for Wales managing to hold off a fight back uh, to move within one point of their visitors so yeah big big game uh, at the athletic ground that was on on Monday we will have a look at the tables of course in a minute but uh, we'll have a little look at the upcoming fixtures because we've got a big weekend of football on Saturday the 23rd of April um we've got a big night of football on Wednesday the 20th of April Tom do you want to do you want to tell us who is involved in that one uh-huh. so I think uh, yeah I think most people would be aware unfortunately we're unable to to really cover it with all it's um all, all it deserves on the on the bulletin because we are yeah obviously between uh, big weekends but yeah uh, Wednesday night Exmouth uh, taking on Tavistock uh, three points uh between them uh, as things stand uh, both got two games remaining so this is their penultimate match and yeah it couldn't be much bigger could it really uh, Tavistock with the three point lead so if they avoid defeat uh, they're very much in the driver's seat going into the final day um, but yeah excellent fall to play for and yeah it should be a, a momentous uh, momentous match I would have thought I, I did consider us doing this on, on Thursday morning, but we, we don't normally get the podcast out as late as Thursday. So I thought I'd try and... I mean, it's been d- delayed anyway by the bank holiday weekend. So um, thank you for bearing with us, listeners. We perhaps should have hung on um, for one more for one more day, but um, um, hopefully you'll get enough colour from this particular episode to, to wh- whichever way that tie goes, win, lose or draw, um, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly be knowing an awful lot mm. more um, going into the weekend's fixtures. And that's really where we'll uh, go now. Uh, Tom, what's your pick of the games on Saturday, the 23rd of April? Oh, I've gone for uh, Tavistock versus Ashton Backwell. So obviously we've talked about Ashton uh, fighting for their lives at the bottom. So uh, even if, yeah, I mean, even if Tavistock, um, yeah, well, obviously if they win, they're they're confirmed title winners uh, on Wednesday, that is. Uh, but if uh, yeah, if they do come unstuck, I don't think uh, Ashton will be uh, yeah uh, easy for them to to knock over on Saturday afternoon. So that should uh, yeah all eyes on that one if uh, if result goes against Tavistock on Wednesday night. Yeah, just just ask Mousel. Absolutely. Uh, um, and my uh, attention is going to Shepton Mallet because the visitors there are Exmouth Town. If Exmouth can make the uh, home advantage on Wednesday count and take the result. Uh, against Tavistock, then obviously this game becomes absolutely crucial. So um, I think that's where my attention will be on uh, on Saturday the 23rd. And um, we dip down into the, the first division, probably not quite as much drama um, going on 
uh, in the first division, Tom. But um, um, you know, are there any games that have caught your eye? I think I've gone for the Port's Head win Canton yet, yeah, just to see how many yeah wins Win Canton can keep racking up over this uh, yeah this sustained period uh, of excellence. Really, I think they have been yeah obviously if it wasn't for Sherborne, they'd now be be heading the table. Obviously, that's not possible because Chevron are there and they've they've romped to the title but yeah when Canton in terms of uh, the way they've played um, over the last well I don't know keep 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 harking back four five six months probably now it's probably about half a year but they've been uh, pretty pretty unstoppable and for them to surge up into to grab grab a, a place in the in the top couple of positions has been fantastic so uh, yeah let's see how they go against uh, Portishead on Saturday. And my attention is going to be at Wells City, where the visitors are Cheddar. Of course, Wells, like Wincanton, are another one of those sides that have shown a really good late run of form. They're coming up against a side in Cheddar, who um, they are battling with um, for that um, um, for that last uh, playoff uh, spot. Um, well, really, Cheddar, with all the work to do, it would have to be said. So if, they're ho- if they've got any ambitions of getting involved in the playoffs, then they'd need to be winning away at Wells. But that won't be an easy game. Um, for Wells, uh, certainly, and they'll need to, and they'll want to take something from it because if they do, they have the opportunity to go above Radstock uh, and uh, into that fifth, um, that fifth place. Um, and that's really, I suppose, a perfect segue into having another look at the league tables, Tom, as it stands. Uh, I don't normally put a date on the podcast because, of course, the way we like to listen to them is, you know, you dip in and you dip out when you want. But I think given the magnitude of what we're about to encounter mm-hmm. going into this weekend's football, it's important that you understand, listeners, that we are looking at the tables on the 20th of April. Drum roll, please. Tom, do you want to um, take us through the um, the top mm-hmm. of the Premier Division? Yeah, let's see what we can do. Uh, so we're going, as you say, top of the top of the Prem as we stand, uh, going into to Wednesday night's big game. Uh, Tavistock three point lead, so they've got uh, 76 points from their 34 games. Uh, Exmouth, who they take on, also played 34. They're on 73, so that is the three point gap uh, that Tavistock own at the moment. Uh, Mauser also on 73, but with a yeah, unfortunately, their their goal difference uh, is about 15 worse than one than Exmouth, uh, and they've also played an extra game, so they've only got one game remaining. They're also on 73, so it would take quite a turnaround for them to to um, uh, finish in top. It is still technically possible, but yeah, looking unlikely for Mausel, but still a, a fantastic season for them, and they could yeah, I mean, second spot's well up for grabs if if results go their way. So uh, yeah, plenty to play for for them. Uh, and then a couple more sides who have reached the 60-point barrier recently. Bridgewater, who finished their season, uh, 65 points from their 36 games. Uh, and then Saltash in, in fifth, uh, 35 games played, so one more for them, and they're on 62. Now, if we look at the other end of the table, um, Bridport uh, on four points down in 19th. We know that they um, they that they have been relegated. Um the, the rest of the uh, relegation situation um, is... Um, perhaps less than clear due to the fact that, of course, we only have 19 teams uh, in the in the Premier Division. Although I think that um, if I was a supporter of either Street or Ashton and Backwell, I, I certainly wouldn't want to be finishing in 18th if I could avoid it. And, and, and as we heard earlier in the podcast, that's exactly what Street have um, 
have, have, have managed to do by hauling overhauling Ashton and Backwell. So Ashton in 18th, they've played 35, they've got 28 points. Street, they've played um, 35, they've got 29 points. And three points above them are Brislington, who've played 34, and they've got um, they've got 32 points. So that's how the bottom of the Premier Division looks. What about the top of the uh, of the first division, Tom? So obviously we have Sherborne sitting pretty uh, in in first, and that was that's where they'll stay. 39 games played, uh, one more league match for them this season, and they are on 96 points, so they could finish on 99. Um, and they've won 30 30 league matches, which is yeah quite quite a quite a remarkable achievement. So congrats to them. Uh, and then it's incredibly tight between the next three, of course. Uh, Wincanton currently in second, uh, 37 games played, so they've got three remaining, and they're on 83 points. 83 points also for for Warminster, who have two games remaining. They're on 38 games uh, played. Uh, likewise, Welton, two matches left for them, and they're on 82, so just one point covering second to fourth. Uh, and then you've got that battle to, to finish in fifth. Uh, you've currently got Radstock, uh, who reside there with 38 games played. They're on 60. Uh, but Wales, who obviously uh, defeated uh, the Miners on, on Monday, they're now on 59 points uh, with a much superior goal difference to Wales as well, it must be noted. Uh, I think 15 better off uh, as, as things stand. They've, those two teams have both got two games to play and Wales on 59 points, so one behind. Uh, Cheddar could also sneak up into, into fifth spot. Uh, they're on 56 points from their 38, so they also have two games. And actually, looking at it just just now, uh, odd down four matches left for them, so they're on 36 and they're on 53 points. So if they won all of those, uh, they could finish on 65. So they could also grab fifth spot if if, if things work out for them. So uh, yeah, plenty to play for over the last couple of uh, couple of weeks for those sides. Yes, it's uh, well, it's proving to be a, an absolutely titanic. Um, fight out for the for those um inaugural um playoff places um at the bottom of the table um as we understand it um you you want to try and avoid being in the bottom three places that was the um that was the edict sent out by the football association at the um at the beginning of this season but relegation in particular is heavily caveated with the word reprieve reprieves further up the pyramid so quite how many sides are liable for relegation will have to be well we will only know when the fa um issue the new league uh, makeup um ahead of the new season but um i don't think now it is realistic for devises town to finish above the bottom of the table um they have 18 points from their 38 games but uh, a significantly worse goal difference um, from Bishops Lydiard, who have a game in hand. They've got uh, thir- they've played 37 matches. They've got 24 points and nine points above them at the moment. Bristol Telephones, they've played 39 and they've got uh, 35 points, the same number as Almondsbury. So that's how the bottom of the uh, of the first division looks. Um, Tom, we've waded through an awful lot there. Um, thank mm-hmm. you for bearing with me. I need to go and get some medication. But there is a huge amount of information in your bulletin. I mean, it's well mm. worth also keeping an eye, I think, on the Toolstation Western League website and social media as this situation develops over this week. Because heading into the weekend, um, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see how many matters um, do get resolved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we've, we've mentioned Exmouth Tavistock on on. On Wednesday night, uh, there's also games uh, uh, involving Wincanton and Odd Down, who've got things to play for in, in the first, I think, in the midweek, and then looking ahead to next week, we've got sort of Monday games, Tuesday games. So there's there's plenty going on uh, over the the frantic final final couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And where can the listeners find your excellent bulletin? 
Uh, that is on the uh, Toolstation League uh, website. It's about halfway down the homepage. If you scroll down and then you can click on that and it will take you to the, the most recent uh, publication. Excellent stuff. Well, I think it's time that I headed back to my sickbed, listeners, because I need to save my strength. I need to recuperate for next week's Toolstation Western League podcast. <laughs> <laughs>